In this session of Look at the Book, we'll focus on 2, 21 to 25 of 1 Peter. We'll probably be here at least two sessions because it is simply astonishing that he could say to the servants, he's talking to slaves, as we'll see and remind ourselves in just a moment, that they have been called to this, this suffering unjustly. Have you ever thought of that as a calling? The calling of a Christian servant or a Christian slave, and I think the calling of all Christians is to suffer unjustly. Father, as we take up how Peter's going to describe this calling to suffer unjustly, teach us what this means. Lord, this is a miracle. If you could work in our hearts this kind of humility and readiness to return good for evil instead of evil for evil, people would ask about our hope. People would turn, perhaps, from darkness to light and glorify our Father in heaven, which is what we want. Work this, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read it. For to this, before we read it, let me just go back and point. Here's the preceding paragraph. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to to the unjust. For it is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin, you are beaten for it? None. But if when you do good and suffer for it, this is a gracious thing. So they're suffering unjustly. To this you have been called. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So there's the whole statement of how this calling, which is specifically for slaves in this paragraph, but for all of us by implication, this calling happens. We are called to suffer unjustly because of two things. First, I mean, they both flow from Christ suffers. So, because Christ suffered, but he suffered first for you, and then he suffered leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So, there's one and two. And this one is... um, substitution. We'll see that more clearly in a minute. For you, he's suffering in your place. And this one is illustration. So, the death of Jesus, the the suffering of Jesus and his death functions for us in two ways, not just one. Two huge theologies divide here. If you choose these against each other, you might become a nice 
conservative evangelical who neglects the exemplary power of the Christ to teach us to suffer for righteousness sake? Or if you embrace this and leave this out, you become a nice left-wing liberal as irrelevant as anybody else because you deny the most important thing, which is that Christ took your place and bore your sin and you think that you can just do good by copying him. It's these together that make up the calling. We are called to suffer unjustly by both the substitution of Christ in dying and the illustration of Christ in dying. And the illustration is here, and the substitution is here. So we'll take this one first. The illustration, but you can see, he himself bore our sins. That's died for us, bore our sins. So in this, in this session, let's just focus on the illustration. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. So he left us an example by committing no sin to get crucified. We should never sin and get ourselves into suffering because that would be just suffering, not unjust suffering. Don't sin your way into suffering. Jesus didn't sin his way into suffering. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. And don't let your response, I think this applies to both cause and effect. Don't let the cause of your suffering be sin or deceit. And don't let the result of your suffering be sin or deceit because it wasn't found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not turn it around and revile in return. When he did suffer, he did not turn it around and threaten. He didn't revile back by saying, you idiots, if you only knew who I was. Or he didn't say, you're going to get yours. He prayed for them while he was on the cross. Now, the huge question is, how in the world do we, do we have the power to do that? when it feels like injustice is being done. And that's where this next phrase comes in. He continued entrusting himself, or literally, doesn't say himself, his cause could be there. Himself and his cause to him who judges justly. So what was the strength of Jesus hanging on the cross as he looked out over a sea of injustice that was happening to him? He could have stepped down off the cross and killed them all, and he would have done exactly justice. And we would have perished and gone to hell because then he wouldn't have died for us and he wouldn't have borne our sins. So he stayed on the cross, but he was helped to know justice will be done. This is the way Paul argues in Romans 12. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. So where do you get the wherewithal to feed your enemy when your enemy is getting away with murder by being unjust towards you? He has he has done something that would cause you to avenge yourselves and you let it go and it looks like he's getting away with it. And that's a huge disincentive to treat him well. 
And the answer of both Paul here and Jesus on the cross is, leave it to the wrath of God. He kept entrusting himself to the God who judges justly. So that's the answer. The one great obstacle to returning good for evil is that it feels like justice will not be done. And what this tells us is justice will always be done. You don't have to do it. God will do it. You can return good for evil. And if nobody repents, evil will come down soon enough. If they do repent, Christ died for them and bore that very sin that they committed against you.